1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host James P. Friel. I am thrilled that you guys are here with us today. We got a really cool show lined up for you, and um, you know, it always it always strikes me as amazing that my co-host looks so fit and finished, even after riding in on a white noble <laughs> steed. We will welcome into fanfare, nevertheless the one, the only bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dean Holland.
0: (laughs) You know what? Ever since we started doing the, the video stream, I feel a little exposed. I think people for three years have absolutely believed that I ride in on a noble steed. And now here, it looks almost like I don't. But I assure you that only two minutes before this went live, I had to tie the steed to one of the desks over there in the office.
1: Well, obviously. And, you know, if, if you could, you would angle the camera and we'd be able to see that. Of course. But, of you course. Know, for technical reasons, we're not able to do that.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't move the webcam at all. It's not. No, it's,
1: not it's in a fixed position. And, you know, that's just the way it is in Nottingham, UK. You just yeah. bring your steed into the office. And uh, but I like I said, you look remarkably, you know, polished for somebody who just you know rode through the english countryside <laughs> on a horse uh, what's your what's your secret to that
0: well the secret is just on those last few branches just to wipe the sweat from my brow and then just arrive nicely looking unblemished <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's amazing you are not going to find finer bs than here on this show but we actually yeah. have some really real stuff to talk about today. Um, We've got a really cool show lined up for you guys. I'm personally uh, very excited about our guest today. He is a co-founder and CEO of Swag.com, was named uh, 40 Under 40 on Cranes, uh, New York, which is quite an accomplishment, and is somebody who's got a tremendous amount of experience in identifying and capitalizing on market opportunities. So I'd like to welcome to the show Mr. Jeremy Parker. Hey guys, for having me. There he is. No, no horse or anything. It's like people don't even care about you know coming into the show the way they should. But whatever. Jeremy, welcome. Welcome. Thank to you it. so much for having me. Thank you guys. Absolutely. So um, so I've got a I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and the first question really is not about swag.com or anything like that. It's why. Why are you an entrepreneur? Like, where did this start for you? And then we'll kind of unpack some of the tips that we want to share with the guests. But I'm always curious. Like, it's a roller coaster sometimes. Why did you decide to like hand in a ticket and say, "Put me on that roller coaster"? I didn't know what I was getting myself into. That's the real (laughs) answer. (laughs) You didn't try to get a
2: refund.
1: No, I want a refund. Let's bring it back. back." (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's so funny. I feel like almost everybody's like, "Well, I didn't really know what I was doing." (laughs) Absolutely not. I was actually a filmmaker in
2: college. I wanted to be a film producer, a film director. And uh, and I realized it's very hard to make money doing film production. So when I went to college, I won this Vail Film Festival. I was 18 years old. I was riding high. I go into like, the celebrity tent after the film festival. And half the room is like these major celebrities. And half the room are just completely artistic, as we like to say. Very creatives. They're you know really making no money. And I just didn't know how good I was, frankly. Like, am I going to be... This good to make it to this side of the room versus that good. So after college, I just said, let's just start a business. I'll see what I like, see what I'm good at. I thought in the very beginning, let's start a t-shirt company because t-shirt company sounds relatively easy to start. It's not, but it, it sounds easy. You learn how to do production, manufacturing, PR. Like
1: everybody wears t-shirts, so how hard yeah, could it be? Of.
2: T-shirts, like well, that's a t-shirt company, right? But you start to kind of learn what you're good at and what you're, what you're, you know, kind of what you don't like. And I kind of started to really refine what I actually enjoyed. And it kind of led me on this, you know, 12 year plus path of just starting companies, selling companies, starting companies, failing companies, you know, doing this whole kind of entrepreneurial grind uh, right. to get me to where I'm at.
1: Right. And so, like, how do you uh, how do you go from, you know, in this film tent, and we could talk about that for a while, I'm sure, what's going on inside that film tent? But what what how do you go from there to, you know, being named Forty under forty on cranes.
2: A lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of luck, a lot of you know, kind of um, you know, testing different things, learning things, random acti- interactions. Right after college, when I won this Vale Film Festival, and I was, you know, it's a big deal. I was the youngest person ever to win this Vale Film Festival. It's really one of the largest film festivals. And I went back to film school, and I still had a year to go. Um, and everyone in my school heard about the Vale Film Festival. Was and I just at that moment I still realized that maybe this is not the right kind of career path for me. It was kind of this weird moment where I was doing well, and yet I knew so clearly that it wasn't the right
1: path. Um, and after I got, what was? Uh, it? Let, hold on, dig, dig dig into that for me. Like, why why did you have that realization? Like, you're doing well. Yeah. What, what was the What was the indication that that wasn't the path?
2: I didn't have. I wasn't that excited, honestly. Even yeah. when I won, and I thought like I'm at this this pinnacle. You know, I'm like looking at on, on the crowd. T- so many people. And I didn't have that fire in my belly of like, this is what I'm meant to do. And that's a scary place to be. You know, it's kind of gets nervous, honestly, trying to think of like, why am I not excited? Like, is something wrong with me? And I realized that maybe just not the right career. I, maybe I shouldn't be doing film. Like, that was maybe the answer. So Well,
1: it reminds me, it's, it's so analogous to your situation, Dean. And, you know, in 2010, when you won the Burlesque Dancer of the Year Award for the United Kingdom,
0: And you just still felt you know
1: unfulfilled. It's not supposed
0: to be about me, you know.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. I'm sorry. But anyway, you guys obviously have very similar path. That's all I was saying. Um so 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 how did the first t shirt thing go? Like you thought it was gonna be easy. Yeah, What, what did you encounter that wasn't easy?
2: Well, we launched in 2007. So if your viewers remember 2007, this is like the heart of the recession. All the banks were going under probably the worst time to launch a high end $250 t-shirt company to <laughs> say the least. You know, we actually were doing well for like a month. <laughs> and then the second month of the business, all the stores we were selling to went under. So that was uh, like a smack in the face that maybe you gotta change it up. Wow. But I actually had this creative idea during the recession I thought, what if we could tie the price of our t-shirts to the price of the Dow Jones, which is a kind of a gimmicky idea. But every pri- every kind of 100 points that the Dow drops, we would give a discount on the t-shirt price to all of our customers. And this got picked up by Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban ended up writing about us in this blog called Blog Maverick. It ended up getting a lot of customers. Um, it got written about an ad age. Which then got read by other executives, and ultimately, I found myself connected to the CEO of this company called MB Sport and Weatherproof Garment Company, it's a really large apparel outerwear company. And me and the CEO just really hit it off, and we would brainstorm ideas. I would go to his office for lunch, and we would just be kind of shooting the shit, you know, just trying to like, you know, brainstorm. He was trying to pick my brain, and I was trying to pick his brain, and we were using each other, but also, you know, forming this relationship. And ultimately, he said to me. Any business idea in the apparel space, I would love to support you. Kind of think of this like not an entrepreneur, but more like an intrapreneur. So I started this idea underneath MV Sport. And MV Sport is one of the largest players in promotional products as well. Now at the time, I did not know anything about promotional products. I never even heard of it. I didn't realize it was such a massive, multi-billion dollar industry. But my idea was for him, what if I created a design contest at different universities, like Boston University, University of Maryland, Oregon State, where the winning design would sell on t-shirts and sell at the bookstore, the basketball stadium, the football stadium, kind of make collegiate apparel cool. And we did this at nearly 200 universities. I spent three years doing that. I learned so much about running a business, production, manufacturing, marketing, every single thing. Um, And it kind of set me on this path of being a real entrepreneur and kind of knowing what I'm good at what I'm bad at and trying to figure figure those things out. So it led me then to the next business, which I started it was a company with my brother and our third co-founder was Jesse Itzler. Jesse Itzler, you know, founder of Marquee Jet, private jet company, uh, Zico water he's one of the owners of Atlantic Hawks. We had this idea that what if we could owned the social media streams of famous celebrities and YouTube celebrities before they knew how valuable it is. Now, I mean, this is before Instagram. This is right at the onset of Twitter. So, for example, Pitbull had like 6,000 followers, just to put things in perspective. Now he is in 40 million plus. So it's very right. early on. And our feeling is, what if we could own the rights to these major celebrities, these YouTube stars, and allow them to get kind of deals with State Farm and Colgate and Verizon, like product placement, in YouTube videos. And we did that for about a year. And ultimately that company got bought by a bigger publicly traded company. Then I spent three years doing a social networking app called Vouch with Jesse Itzler as well and some other celebrities. We got hundreds of thousands of users that ultimately did not work out. And then it got me to swag. I was 30 years old and I had some success, some failures. And I thought that the next business, I really wanted to do something that I'm super passionate about. And I always loved the promotional product industry from 10 years ago. I always I now had a little more experience in how to build a brand, how to build an e-commerce experience. And I thought this was the right time for me to kind of disrupt this old, fragmented and broken industry.
1: Hmm. So, so what's fascinating to me about your story is there's just like, like, you know, opportunity, capitalize on the opportunity. Meet this person, like turn that into something. Like just kind of like, you know, almost like, You're sitting there like playing Tetris and it's like, okay, one block falls from the sky. Okay, I'm gonna do this with it. Like this is coming down, like I'm gonna do this with it. Where where do you think that level of um just awareness on, you know, how to take those different things that are showing up on your doorstep and turn them into something (laughs) real? Like, where does that come from? Because I feel like a lot of people, you know, there's like two camps of people. There's one opportunity could come and like punch them in the face and they wouldn't know. (laughs) And then there's other people who are just like, all over the place and have all these ideas, but never seem to be able to harness them and turn them into anything real. And it sounds like you found a really interesting balance there. And you didn't just do it once. Like you've done it over and over. So like, like what's going on when you're, when you're thinking about things, um, in that regard. And if you guys are listening and you want to call in, make sure you give us, uh, give us a call so you can ask Jeremy some questions. Give us a shout at eight, 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 six, two, seven, six, thousand eight. Um, over, uh, over to you, Jeremy,
2: yes that's a good question Uh, my father's an entrepreneur so maybe it came from that always talking about business as i was growing up Um, but i was always told from very early on it's not the idea that's going to make you successful there's everyone has ideas and you always kind of find yourself And i've I've been a victim of this as well you kind of think oh i came out with the idea and then it becomes like a billion dollar company it doesn't the idea doesn't really matter it's about having the mindset um, attack an industry that you really are excited about, because ultimately the idea that you have from the first you know get-go is not going to ultimately be the idea that will ultimately win it for you. you. know even with swag, swag is has been very successful, thankfully. For five years, we've grown, you know tremendously, we we're just named the 218th fastest growing company in the US by the Inc 500. Um, you know in all kinds of measures, we've been having a very successful role with swag. And there's so many times that we've even pivoted within the swag like we once started with an e-commerce business and that took off a little bit. And we saw some opportunity that we want to do swag boxes, which are bigger orders. And then we realized when somebody's doing swag boxes, well, they have no room in their office for swag boxes. We should probably hold their swag boxes right. in our fulfillment center. And then there's the whole pandemic. Everyone's working remotely instead of shipping swag to one office, allow them to actually distribute swag to thousands of addresses at once. We've always had to constantly look at the environment they're in, look at what our customers want and try to adapt to make sure we have the right platform. And I think it's even within the business it's constantly changing. So you just have to always be aware of, of things that are shifting. Um, yeah. I like to think of the same thing with marketing. People always say, well, how did you grow so fast? You know, We didn't raise tons of money. How did we do You know, $7 million in sales in a year and this year you know, we're going to break $10 million in sales. How does that happen without spending a lot of money on marketing? And I think a lot of it is just trying to refine our traction channels, like every single, like maybe in the first year we had no marketing expense. It was me and my co-founder Josh knocking on doors and trying to make sales. Cause that's all we had at that point. We had no money. We didn't have a whole strategy. We didn't have any, we didn't have any commerce experience that people could check out. We had ourselves. So that's what we had to do, we had to do the unscalable. And then once we hit the, the kind of limit of the unscalable stuff, then we said, well now let's launch an e-commerce experience. And let's put some money towards Google ads because that is the actionable thing that could bring in direct traffic right now. And then we realize, well, Google ads are so expensive. Now we have to shift to maybe more of an organic strategy of SEO or trying to think outside the box. All of our t-shirts have a swag.com in your logo so that you can actually, every person who's getting that t-shirt now feels the shirt, sees the quality, sees Swag.com on the inside, and now gets that kind of social proof that, wow, wow, clearly Swag.com helped out Facebook or Google or all of our customers. So you have to kind of always adjust your thinking and realize that you're never always going to be right. Most times you're going to be wrong, but it's the people who adapt quick quicker, the better, and then you're going to be able to be yourself in a position.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, you know, one of the things that I – well, for, there's two things that I love. One, the unscalable I think that's an awesome term that I don't I haven't heard before. And and when people come and talk to me, they're like, All right, you know, I got all these different ideas and you know, all this other stuff. Like, what should I do right now? I'm like, you you need to find a way to get sales and get customers to pay you. Like, that's really important that you know you create that traction there. And even if it's not with the final business model that you expect it to look like, like you got to start somewhere. And I love, I love how you approach things in that it's just like, okay. You know, here's where we see an issue, a challenge, a problem, an issue that a customer is having. Could could we do something? Like, could we turn that into a stream of income in some way, even if we don't know what the end, the ultimate end game looks like? And I feel like that's one of the things I'm I'm kind of picking up. And I'd love to hear what you think about this, Dean. Is that so many people stop themselves because they're like, well, you know, I can't see all all the line on this thing as opposed to well where can you start and how can you do something that might be unscalable to begin with but you're getting data and information and and valuable experience from the marketplace that you can then turn into like the next level and the next step
0: yeah definitely well I, one of one thing when you were talking Jeremy one of the things that was like jumping out to me in, in comparison to other conversations sometimes with others is you you seem like the kind of guy and entrepreneur that you're not afraid to take those fast moves. You're not afraid to kind of move quickly on something that you think is maybe a direction that's happening or something that's going on. I think that's kind of what you're saying here, James, isn't it? Is a lot of people, I think, you know, we speak to a lot of people. I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I think sometimes people are so afraid to move in the way that it sounds like you're willing to, you know, they're, they're so stuck with what they're doing and they're, they're too afraid to change that for fear of getting it wrong. Do you know what I mean? It sounds like you're more kind of like, no, let's make informed decisions and move quickly, and see where it goes. That's, of-
2: that's exactly that's exactly how we think about everything. Um, even this pandemic perspective, the promotional product industry, ninety-two percent. They just came out with numbers. Ninety-two percent of our industry is down over fifty percent this 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 quarter versus last year at the same time. Our industry is completely in shambles, and the reason for that is many reasons, obviously. Marketing teams are not buying swag for trade shows, right, so that's business. HR managers are not buying swag for onboarding new hires because no one's hiring right now. Office managers are not buying swag for internal office needs because there are no offices. This pandemic, this crazy world that we're living in basically shot down our entire business. But how were we up? We just had our three best months in a row ever. Right. So, you know, how is that possible? How's everyone down so much and how are we up? And I think it's because we were able to adapt and shift our focus very quickly to well, we know people are living remotely. How do we build a software and a solution that allows people to easily distribute to those remote addresses? If this is gonna be however long, a year or two years, or maybe this is gonna shift, you know, work from home culture for the for the long haul, how do we, how are we always gonna be ahead of the game and say, you know what? The old way of doing things of buying swag in bulk and shipping it to one location is not gonna work. It's not gonna work for now, it might not work in the future. How can we think outside the box? To build the right platform. And then once we have the platform, now there's very few companies that could do what we could do. Very few. It's like I count them on my hand. How do we win in this space by doubling down on marketing spend, by doubling down on what we're doing in terms of SEO, organic content, and really sell the self? You know, people still need the products, and we're now the solution that's able to handle that that issue. So we gotta mm-hmm. go all in at this point.
1: So how do you guys decide how much like resource and effort to put into like one of these ideas that's popping up to see, to like, give it a little bit of breathing room mm-hmm. before you find out whether, you know, it's going to take, and you kind of, you know, invest more. Right. Cause like, this is, this is a question that even like VC firms are always asking, right. Okay. So, you know, you got a, a promising idea, you know, decent team, you put a little bit of money into it to see what happens. Right. And then, and then they're going to add a little bit more money later down the line. Like, how do you guys manage that concept of you know allocating resource mm-hmm. and risk with all these different ways that you can go and and then you know kind of identify and pick the winners.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I, how, what we do typically is we launch a landing page. So I have a designer, and I was talking to Dean before. Our designers are like next door neighbors. Down the street in Leeds, UK. And we just basically brainstorm a new idea and we design a landing page that looks like everything else on our site, that looks fully fleshed out, as mm-hmm. if we built the platform, we launched the landing page, we have a capture form. And as a CEO, I'm having conversations. I mean, even right before this, there's a new initiative that we're trying to test. I just had a 45-minute call, and I'm I'm willing to take these calls with potential customers, even when we don't even have the platform built, because it's gonna lead us to know: are we building the right thing? And i know long term spending fifty thousand sixty thousand dollars a month on tech that can get very costly if you're building the wrong thing or if something no one wants so we always like to do things that i mentioned before the unscalable things that are frankly painful you know the beginning of the business i was not only ceo i was head intern i was making deliveries i was you know renting a u-haul van and driving it six hours to make deliveries you have to do things that are painful so much until you know the right platform to build you know the right process to build and then you could invest actual tech time and resources to building it so we're Mm -hmm. always in that learning phase you know swag.com is working we have swag in the box that's our new initiative of building customized fully branded boxes we did a lot of testing before we launched the platform we're doing more swag box orders now than we're even doing swag.com e-commerce orders like now we do swag distribution platform over 70 percent of all of our orders now are using this distribution platform which is amazing So now this next platform that we're going to be building, we really want to give ourselves some time to learn, is this the right platform? And our goal is to gather all of the information within the next three months so that in January of next year, we feel like we either start building it or we don't build it. And maybe we'll learn that maybe this is not the right thing. Maybe we'll learn that no one wants this. Or maybe we'll learn that what we thought they wanted was actually completely different and we should be making sure we build the right MVP or minimal viable product to actually capture those customers early on. Like, so it's just a constant learning learning process.
0: Well, I I, yeah. I, I think there's gold just, just, just to draw it out for anyone listening, Like, I think there's absolute gold in what you just said there. Cause I, I see a lot of people, I, th- I think we're probably all guilty of this or have been at some stage where we think our ideal is like, idea is magic. It's like, this is the one, this is the winner. I've got something that everybody's going to want and this is never going to fail. And they'll go out and they'll spend months if not years incredible amounts of money only to find out that actually that's not what people want. You know, the market isn't seeing what I saw. And I love what you just said there, that you're, you're you're putting the time, energy and resource into finding out if you should even go forwards with this idea. And I think a lot of people get that back to front, right? It's like, no, I'm going to spend the time to create an idea and then put it out there to see if anyone wants it. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's gold there.
1: Well, and one, one of the other things that uh, that strikes me about this conversation, so, uh, so you mentioned your you know, fast growing and on the, you know, the ink list and everything. So, so last week we had guests on the show who are good friends of ours who were, uh, number four on the list.
0: Amazing. And
1: one of the things that they said, cause we kind of got into some, some similar things, but in, in uh, a lot of ways different, but one of the things they said was the reason they've been able to grow as fast or one of the reasons is that they've never become romantic about the idea or they've never become romantic about like, Oh, like, we, you know, we were doing it this way yesterday. So we've got to keep doing it this way tomorrow. And I feel like there's a very similar philosophy that you guys have, which is just your constant valuation and everything needs to fight for its existence. Like, if this thing's really not working out the way that we thought it would, okay, no big deal. Just move on to the next thing, right? Like, don't, mm-hmm. you know, struggle and, you know, try and, like, you know, bring it back to life and all this other stuff. It's like, Use what the market's telling you. Don't get attached to it and keep moving forward.
2: Yeah, 100%. We, we totally agree with that statement. I mean, for us, it's, a, it's just we call it removing ego. Like Whether it's my idea, whether it's my co-friend's idea, whether it's one of our employees' idea, we can't be so tied to, to an idea. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we just have to kind of move on. Or whoever's idea, you know, that the winning idea should always win. Um, right. Because a lot of people get into this mindset, well, it's not how I would have done it. And they get kind of in that mentality. Yeah. Of, it's just you have to have like a team effort, a team mentality that we're all we all want the, the the end result to be the same. We all want to be successful. So whatever we could do to get ourselves in the right in, the, whether it's build or not build, whether it's do this marketing strategy or not focus on that, whether it's, it's anything, any kind of idea, as long as we have the right mentality of we're doing this for the same purpose of getting ahead, it, it makes the it makes it much easier. Frankly, it makes it kind of like. Removes all of that kind of barriers. I know a lot of my entrepreneur friends have the same thing. Like they want to make sure it's their idea is good to be. Winning. Yeah. They, they tell me about fights that they have with their co-founders, and me and my co-founder never have fights. We have arguments. We know we want to push. I want to push this idea because I really believe that it's the right idea. But ultimately, the market's going to define who's right. You know, and then you have to kind of buy into the market what the market's telling you.
1: Right, right. I love that pushing your ego to the side because it's not. It's not about you. It's not about your ego because ultimately. And this is kind of the next thing I want to get into about, like, you know, re- really kind of spelling out how to identify opportunities for people. But ultimately, being an entrepreneur is finding a problem that people have and then solving that problem and making money in the meantime, right? And making a profit on it. And so it's like, it doesn't even have to be your idea. It's just like, oh, I observe that there's a problem or there's a situation happening. And we think we can put together a solution for that and get people to pay for it. we like, bottom line. Um, what, what do you, what do you say to people? So you have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs. I'm Mm -hmm. sure, you know, they come to you for advice as somebody who's had, you know, you know, a a really great track record at this point. What do you say to those people who are out there and they're just like, man, you know, I, I don't know like where to start or like what to do now. And, Mm -hmm. and maybe even in this, Sort of, you know, COVID pandemic situation, like you said, a lot of things are in shambles, right? You know, the promotional industry that you're part of and many other industries. And so there are a lot of people who were, you know, kind of building success already and they were, you know, having like, you know, the returns that they had hoped and then everything got taken from them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's somebody who's starting new or, you know, leaving a corporate gig or whatever. And they're like, man, where do I start? And somebody looking like, oh, like, wow, man, you, you like, You must like open up your cereal box and pour out opportunities into a cereal bowl every morning. Like it's easy for you, but it's, it's something that you've developed and you've honed. Like what kind of advice do you give those sort of people? Yeah,
2: I think it's, I think it's all mentality, honestly. And I, and I, I am a victim of the same thing. I've done it. You know, when the pandemic hit, we were going from 200,000 the first week of March to the second week of March doing 19,000. So just imagine you have this whole team being built. I just hired five new people because we were scaling. We were on track to hit 14 million in sales this year. Our January, February numbers were double with January, February of last year. We're riding high. Things are working out exactly. And then you get smacked in the face with the realization that we might not have a business. And then investors are calling and friends are calling and trying to check in on me, you know, giving me this kind of sob. We, you know, we feel bad for you, you know, those things. And I think you can easily get it into your head of like, woe is me. I'm a victim. There's no out. There's no way out. It's not my fault. It's not my fault mentality and just being okay with the results. But for us it wasn't okay. So we had to adapt. We had to shift. We had to think outside the box. And we were selling, you know, custom branded masks at one point. Like who did I ever want to sell masks? I, I did this white business to sell, you know, Toyota on a mask. I did it, you know. But you start having to think about ideas of what is actually selling now. What can we do to you know change the market a little bit? And then what we ultimately got very lucky with it is that we built this platform for the marketing teams to engage with their best customers and sales teams to engage with their best, you know, leads to close sales and we had to reposition and rebrand and retell that story of now use our distribution platform for this new work from home culture for engaging in your remote employees even though no one's in the office and that has led to you know we're doing north of a million a month in sales at this point. So we went from having Nineteen thousand a week to now doing you know close to 250000 dollars a week. We're still in the pandemic. Everyone else is having issues, and I think what it tells me is you just have to keep moving. You're not going to know the answers. There's no answer. There's no like clear path to anything, right? You just have to keep throwing ideas against the wall, seeing what sticks. Talking to your customers, learning from your customers. Your customers. Like, let them try to give you guidance on what they actually want and then build what they want and do it quickly and fail quickly. Because you might build something quickly, and if you can learn that's not the right solution so you can move past it and move on to something new that could ultimately be kind of your savior, I just think keep just moving. Uh, and it's the same thing with starting a business. Like, people say, well, where do I begin is an idea. The idea that you have when you're starting a business is never going to be the idea that you ultimately end up with. Right. So just go for it. Because what I've seen is that fear—the fear of failure, the fear of starting—you know—kills more dreams than failure ever would. Frankly, Mm. people get in their mindset that this is not going to work, and and put a list of a thousand reasons why this is not going to work. But you just have to put yourself out there because you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what one idea will lead to another idea, that will lead to another idea, which will lead to a potential customer that gives you a new idea. Like all these things, you have to kind of be open yourself to the world of—you know being open to possibilities and choosing the right path forward
0: hmm it's like that I'm quote cur- curious to ask like you you definitely come across i'm sure everybody watching or listening is going to feel this way like you have such confidence in in yourself like you can just hear it it's like shining through it's like you just got to make decisions and move forwards and i i don't think a ton of people are or not everybody are like that are they like a lot of people allow the fear to control them. i'm curious do you do you have fear when you're going into ideas or have you trained that out of yourself or do you use fear to your advantage does it drive you like how do you sit with that
2: um at this point, honestly, I don't have any fear whatsoever in terms of business, and obviously, you have other life stuff. And you, you know, everyone comes from different backgrounds. Everyone takes you know different experiences that set. For me, I know I was a horrible student, like really, really bad student in high school. So when you're at a kind of a school, and everyone, all my friends are going to Ivy League schools, and everything is so easy, and then you kind of look at yourself like, well, what's wrong with me? And you kind of internalize it, and then you realize that. Maybe it wasn't me. Maybe it was the teachers. Maybe it was they weren't teaching me in the right way. Maybe I wasn't interested, so maybe I was tuning it out. And I think I found throughout college that, you know, what I'm actually good at, and what I'm good at, I'm actually good at it. You know, what I actually enjoy, I'm actually good at it. And you start to kind of move all the things that you're not good at away and start to really focus on what you are good at, and it gives you more confidence and it allows you to build up this confidence level that, frankly, at this point, is weird to say there is no fear of failure. There is no fear of making mistakes. There is no fear of people looking at me and saying, oh, wow, you know, why didn't you succeed in this way? Or There's nothing, none of that because it's not them. I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it for, for our own business. I'm trying to make the best decisions. for. Our, and there's no – if you're always fearful of, of the downside, you're, you're never going to get anywhere. It will be, to me at least, I, mean, I, I had to get that out of my head, that whole mm. environment, the whole mentality,
1: completely out of my head. Otherwise, I would never
2: get to where I want it to be.
1: Uh, yeah no, that's so awesome. yeah what do you um what do, what do you say to people who are like okay well uh you know i, I know I know kind of the response that I give to this but obviously you have not just spotted opportunities but you've you've created relationships that have mm-hmm. helped create opportunities right and i feel like that's one of the things that is part of your story um mm-hmm. a lot of people are like well you know it's not like what you know it's who you know and I don't know the right people and and kind of use that as an excuse. Obviously, you've never even seen that as an excuse, because you know, based on your track record, like how how do you advise people to like get out there and and meet the people and create the network that will help feed and fuel those opportunities for them, like you've done for yourself?
2: Yeah, honestly, it's it's like it's kind of in my mind relatively easy. Make the make the effort. Put yourself out there. Send a cold email. You know, literally, I, to me, I mean, all the kind of the great relationships I've connected with, you know, Elliot Pizer, the CEO of Weather Garment Company through an email, connected to Jesse Itzler, you know, super successful in, in many different ways through an email. You know, a lot of different people that we've connected through, you know, my brother reaching out, me, you know, it just it's all kind of just been, you meet with one person who can then bring you to a new kind of um, environment and, and like, For example, for the, for the idea that we have with Jesse, we had no connections to celebrities, but Jesse had connections. So being able to kind of parlay that in terms of weatherproof, I had no knowledge at all of promotional products at all, nothing. Didn't know anything. I didn't know how to make a t-shirt. Didn't know what screen printing was. Didn't know what embroidery was 12 years ago. You make these connections, you start to learn. I think it's just about whatever position you're put in and you could either get yourself in that position or it could happen to you, taking advantage of it and trying to learn as much as possible. So you have the knowledge then do it yourself. And then hopefully, as you grow as an entrepreneur, there's going to be a lot of opportunities that will just happen. You know, it happens easier. You know, more companies now know about Swag.com. So companies in 2016, when we launched the business and I was reaching out to customers, companies to partner up, they wouldn't even treat us. They wouldn't even think about doing a partnership with us. Or customers I reached out wouldn't even think about doing a partnership with us. But now they are customers of ours, you know. So I think just keeping at it, being being available for good things to happen I think is frankly a lot of a lot of where these wins come from
1: yeah that's so that's so awesome being available for good things to happen reminds yeah. me of the quote the the harder I work the luckier I get mm-hmm. you know um yeah that's that's awesome I got I got another question on a like slightly different topic but before I do that do you have anything you want to uh throw into the ring Dean
0: no, no, it's cool. I, I, just, uh, it's definitely shining through. I, I, would say, even though it's not like the topic of the show on personal development, but I think you, you definitely have this like massive air of just, I don't see limits. You know, it's like you've got to believe in what you're doing and go for it, and whatever you've got to do to make that work, you do it. You know, I think that's going to inspire a lot of people. Like, it's definitely shining
1: through. Well, and I, so, so I think that's kind of along the lines of where, where I wanted to go with the conversation next is what wait, where, what's your motivation at this point? Right. So, you know, is it, is it the love of the game of business? Is it, you know, like what, what's driving, driving you to like constantly be in this state of, you know, creativity and problem solving and, you know, you know, kind of not worrying about how things are going to turn out and just keep moving forward. Like what, what's fueling that drive right now for you? It's a good question.
2: I think before, so I just had a, a child two months ago. So I think my kind of focus and priorities have shifted. I think it's, I work now because I do love it. I do want to build the biggest promotional products swag company in the market. Um, but I, don't, I, don't, I it. work
0: now to get some peace. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I, I'm working now cause I want to, I take care of my family. You know, I have a new I have a wife, I have a child. So that it's definitely shifted before when I was single, or when I had even a girlfriend and no no child, I was doing it in many ways, and it's weird to think about as some validation for myself. You know, honestly, I think, and I think maybe a lot of your visitors who had trouble in school growing up or had any kind of obstacles that they had to overcome, I think you you're constantly in that per, you know perpetual cycle of trying to prove yourself. You know, in your mind, like does who cares about what other people think, but yourself? Like your ch- all of this is a game against yourself, not competing with anyone else, really. I'm not even thinking about competitors on a day-to-day basis at all. It's about like where I believe we can take this business. And if I don't succeed at what I want to do, then it's more disappointing than anything else. So I think it's just a constant, um, just growth, you know, just challenging yourself and trying to be the best person, the best company, the best leader, the best CEO, the best innovator that I could possibly be. And it's more just like an internal challenge. But obviously now with a the child, there is some monetary connections to it.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting cuz I think there's some people who are just like, all right, you know, like I'm good. And I, I can't believe I can't believe how many people are out there who just sort of are like, all right, I'm I'm comfortable now. And I and I don't know like that you even think about being comfortable. You're just like, oh, like I want a new challenge. I want to keep growing. I want to expand. Like all these things and you've said it, you know, numerous times and Dean's brought it up as well, but it seems like there's just like this 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 real growth mindset there. That might be, you know, kind of the the core of, you know, the way that you're approaching things. So I was just curious if you if you if you think that's true. I do. I, I definitely think it's true.
2: You know, I to put it in
1: perspective, it's been nine
2: months. This year has been crazy. Twenty twenty. Obviously, I just had a child. I haven't taken off one day. No vacation. And I think about that all the time. Like, why am I not just even enjoying things a little bit more? Um, and I think that is an important thing that I need to start doing. Um, I think just recognizing it, you know, obviously I should be taking some time off. I should be, but I love it. I love what I'm doing. I have a real goal. I have, I have a vision for where I want this business to go. I want myself to be, to be going. And I feel like if I enjoy it, why take a break? Like, what's the reason? So I think just having the mentality of a growth mindset, of always wanting to be better than where I am now. Um, so that hopefully in two years, three years, four years from now, we can look back and be like, I'm even in a different place that I never thought was possible. It's kind of right. like the analogy I think about, like mountain climbing. Like every single morning, I take a, a run with my dad for an hour, and I'm thinking about, you know, challenging and pushing myself on the physical level. And then when you think about getting to that mountaintop, like if, when you're in the base of the mountain, you look up like, I can never reach that pinnacle. I'm never going to get there. And then once you get there, you realize that's you're just going to go turn around and go back down. Like no one thinks about that. Everyone's thinking, oh, man, I wish it was more of this mountain that we right. could get Right, so I think it's just having that mentality always.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. Well, not really
0: advocate, but I would dare say. Imagine how much more unstoppable you'd be if you did have that break.
1: I probably
2: think you're right. You know, I think I I do. My wife says it all the time. She's like, "You need the break. You need it." And it's yeah, you're right, Dean. You're right, right
0: had those experiences haven't we where it's like because you know we're very much the same i i, I don't want to speak for james but you know i love what i do too and i didn't actually take a, a vacation uh it was not long after i'd got together uh with my partner now and i think for about two or three years for various reasons we didn't stop like we were just working and grinding we both have you know we've got two companies and uh i was the same which is why it resonated when you just said that um but for various reasons, I, I had a week vacation and, and that was a massive pivotal turning point. Like it was the last thing I wanted to do because um, I thought if I stop, you know, things might go wrong or this or that or I just want to keep going. Um, mm-hmm. But in that week, like I, I literally came home and changed a few things that had come to me on that break. And it was just like, bang, like change in the business completely. So that's why I just wanted to bring it up just because I've yeah. uh, it was big for me.
2: I think you're I think you're 100% right and it's something I need to do and whenever I want to do it I always make excuses to not do it. So we gotta get out of this excuse mentality
1: for sure. Well, I think you know, I think one of the things that really helped me cuz I you know, Dean and I have talked about this um probably on more more than a couple occasions, you know, over the course of this show over the last few years. And for me, I you know, I I think it was like I hadn't taken a vacation in 7 years or something. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I was almost like brought on vacation kicking and screaming and it wasn't, it wasn't my idea. Like the whole thing was planned out and everything else. And when I got back, same thing, it was like, Oh man, I'm seeing things in a whole new perspective and from a whole new angle. And so the way that I look at it now is, you know, cause I don't think any one of us, you know, really want to like feel like we're slowing down. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause there's, there is like that, that sort of excitement and moving and making things happen and everything else. But I think it's like, it's almost like a strategic reset. We're just like, okay, you know, I'm going into this, like, I'm going to, you know, tie up as many loose ends as I can. And I'm going to go into it. Like with like, you know, three big questions in the back of my mind or something like that. And then give yourself the space to, you know, kind of mentally explore those things. It's been really, really helpful uh, for me. And, and obviously, you know, for Dean too. And I think that, um, you know, if it's something that's been on your mind, you probably come out of it doing 200 miles an hour, not 100. 100, I think. I mean, you've a- got
0: a good excuse to get out of it right now. The world is telling you you're not allowed to travel, so.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly.
0: As long as possible.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Completely. Um. So. So. Another question I want to talk about, uh, Jeremy, is obviously you know as as you've moved past the early stages of whatever venture you know you're working working on, you you start to bring on a team right and you you know you have people whether it's contractors or you know employees or how how have you found it um most effective to sort of create that culture of contagious energy where everybody's on fire and 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 especially with what you've done this year you know where people could have been like oh my god like you know the sky is falling and yet you guys are having record months clearly there's an element not just of you know, your own mindset, but leadership of other people that have helped you accomplish that? Like what's, what's been your approach towards, you know, kind of bringing that to your entire team and helping everybody feel that same level of, uh, excitement.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, Again, yeah, it's a great question. And it was probably the most challenging thing. I mean, to lead a team where everyone was in the office in New York city to now everyone's working in different time zones, different locations. It, it is very, very challenging. I think for us, it's just, really kind of stress the importance of the ultimate vision of the business and getting buy-in from their team. You know, a lot of people, when we bring onto the team in general, we're doing a lot of interviews. It's usually, it, it's it starts with the executive team. So we've really built out a great executive team alongside me, you know, head of marketing, head of customer success, head of sales, head of operations, head of logistics, building out that really core team that has tons of experience and then allowing them the flexibility to build their own teams underneath them. But ultimately before we ever make any hires, I do the final interview um, and we kind of just discuss, it's kind of like shooting the shit, not even really an interview, just kind of understanding the mentality of the person that we may or may not hire that is probably, I'm not interviewing so many people, so it's within one or two people with, it, with each role. I'm trying to under, you know, present our mission and our vision for it and seeing how they take it. You know, We need to get people on the team who truly believe what we're doing. And I think as long as people are bought into the mission, it makes it a lot easier for people to then do their day-to-day jobs. So constantly throughout this pandemic, it was a lot of communication, a lot of conversations, a lot of me talking to the team and you know, bringing up what the mission is, where we're going. We might be getting a roadblock, but there's other things that we're testing. And frankly, bringing them all into the fold so that they're not kind of flailing on the outskirts, not knowing what's going on. Because I could just imagine if I was an employee any company and you see the whole world falling beside you and all of your friends getting left go, how scary it could be, you know, it's probably terrifying, honestly. So giving them the confidence that their job is safe, we are doing everything in our possibility to keep their job safe. And we're going to be doing a lot of new ideas and initiatives to ultimately get past this and get through this, however long this thing may take and just keeping them in the loop at all times, I think has led allowed us to frankly be six months out of the office and we're having record-breaking months for 3 months in a row when everyone is, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, having major issues, so we've kept that culture thriving even when we don't have the office, which
1: is yeah. been
0: okay, really good.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. What was what was that transition for you guys like, you know, moving from, you know, physical co-located, everybody kind of sitting there together and you know, hanging out and being able to shout across the room and everything to virtual, like how, how did you guys make that transition? And a lot of people are making that transition. It's one of the things that I help people with. I'm curious, like what, you know, what you guys did to really create that level of success, obviously the mission and keeping everybody focused on why they're there and what's important is one aspect, but like, maybe a little bit more like tactically, how did you navigate, you know, kind of some of the challenges that, uh, that always arise with a remote team? Yeah, it's, it was very challenging in the
2: beginning, especially because that wasn't just the, the only thing that was on our thought our mind. But obviously, the business we thought might be having a really big hit, and it was in the beginning. Um, so being nervous about that, trying to figure out how we're going to raise money a little bit just to make sure we have some in the backlog so that we're safe if this thing extends longer. So there's a lot of moving parts. Every single person in the world was in this kind of... And by the way, we're based in New York City. So New York City was the worst. I don't know if you remember, yeah. everything was happening in New York. People, friends of mine, were getting sick. You know, it was it was terrifying. So it was, and obviously at that point also, I'm having a child. So for me, it was like tons of things were were in the air. I took the perspective of being kind of maybe even knowing for my for my employees, but for me, it was over communication. I was chatting with with employees that maybe I wouldn't even have day to day conversations with. You know, I probably spoke usually with my executive team and maybe one or two of the of the employees are beneath them. But I was having calls with pretty much everybody, you know, really just randomly messaging because you miss out that on that kind of like those water cooler moments. And when you're in the office and someone's over there and you say, hey, how was your weekend? And you have that vibe and then somebody comes up with an idea and they say, hey, Jeremy, can I run something by you? And then you jump into an office for a little bit and then you bring somebody else in. Like you're missing all of those kind of communication, kind of where like the genius happens, the sparks happen, the creativity happens. And I didn't want to lose that. So what we started to do is just frankly reach out to random employees unannounced. So that we would have that kind of um, that those things, those kind of like electrical sparks of conversation, and they weren't long conversations. It could be like a minute, it could be two minutes, just to check in on people, how their weekend was, what they do last night, just to kind of continue that relationship, um, even if it had nothing to do with business. And I think for us, that's right. been very helpful to keep people going.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's awesome, uh, Dean. Wh- what do you got?
0: Yeah, no, I was uh, I was I was interested to hear what you, you were going to say with there because we've been through the same. So we've got we've got a fifth. We're, uh, we're kind of some virtual, some uh, remote, some some actually office based. And only last week we started coming back into the office. Um, I, I've, I didn't en- I didn't enjoy going back to remote, if I'm honest. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how if you've taken to it, Jeremy, have you or, or what? Or no, I, I, I know we uh, I struggled with it. I was massively unproductive, actually, for a while. Uh, being remote. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's
2: very tough. And especially I lived in a city apartment. I was in a one bedroom. Um, I'm, my wife is in the other room and I'm working out of the bed. It was uncomfortable. It was stressful. It was I wasn't talking to anybody. I was talking to yeah. people virtually, but I didn't have that human connection. It was like very and then like like nights and days bled into the same. There was no breaks. I would wake up instead of having a routine of heading into the office or walking to the office every day. Or going to the gym in the morning, there's all the gyms are closed. My office, you know, like my apartment gym is every single thing, I like you wake up and you're working, and then you go to sleep and you're working, and it's just
0: mm. I,
2: I think I was productive, but I was not enjoying it. And that's I think, a big issue as an entrepreneur. I think you have to enjoy every day. You're not gonna enjoy every single day, but I think you're always gonna have ups and downs. There's gonna be so many roadblocks are gonna be in front of you. If you don't enjoy what you do, you're gonna give up at the first, you know, the first instance of of issues, of tension. So I think, and for me, I was getting to a point of not enjoying it, um, and so it, it has been a challenge. But I've kind of structured my my day a little bit more: wake up, work out, even if it's outside, even if it's running, even if it's with the mask on, doing certain things that at least allow me some kind of break in the day or some kind of you know normal day sequence. Um, and it's really helped a
1: lot. Are you are you one of these um, one of these guys who's like really committed to like a very specific? You know morning routine or evening routine or whatever because i just you know kind of heard you know you you know you got your morning workout you got this that or the other thing or you like you know i feel like it goes one or two ways people are like diehards on that they're like oh my god i live and die by my morning routine or there's people who are like i'm kind of flexible about how i approach things what like how do you how do you handle that
2: i'm 100 regimented i need to be if i don't do my morning routine then i feel like something's off like yeah. i wake up and feel like I accomplished something before the day even starts. So I have a routine. I I either run or walk for a solid hour to hour and a half every single day. Um, It's like 7.30 to 9 o'clock. And I either do it by myself, listen to some podcasts, or I do it with my dad who's down the street now. I moved out to New Jersey to be close to the family. Um, And then I do tefillin. I'm I'm modern Orthodox Jewish. I do some tefillin. It centers myself. I could like plan out the day, be thankful for what I have. And then after I accomplish those two things, I feel like I'm good to go. I'm good to attack the day. Whatever happens is going to be good. Um, and then I start the work day about 9.15,
1: 9.30. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like if I don't have my, my routine, I feel weird. I don't know mm-hmm. how else to put it. I just don't feel like I'm on and uh, it's like, kind of sets me up for success. But I know some people who are just like, yeah, I just like roll out of bed and, start working and they're incredibly successful. So I guess it's, you know, kind of everybody's a little bit different in that, in that regard. Um, one, one thing, and I had no idea this was going to come up. We only have, you know, a couple more minutes before we wrap up, but you mentioned you're Orthodox Jew. Mm-hmm. How, how much, how big of a a role do you feel like your faith and that, that sort of foundation that you have from your, your background there has impacted your mindset and your willingness to take risk and, you know, kind of like, well, if I fail, I fail, and I, I, everything's going to be okay. Like, do you, do you feel like that's been a, a big piece of things, or, you know, like, I guess I'm just curious. You know, how that impacts what you do in the business world.
2: That's a good question. I wouldn't say I, I'm the representative of all Orthodox Jews. I'm, I'm modern Orthodox, so I, I practice what I practice, and I don't practice other things. But I think for me, I think it's just overarching, you know, mentality for me. It's it's you know, feeling like. There's something above that I don't have always full control. Um, I'm I could do as much as I possibly could do. Um, and then there's things that are just out, out of my control. You have to leave up some, of, some things open for for fate or for whatever you want to call it, um, for some other opportunities. But for me, it's like I never really think about that. Um, and I, and I, I think a lot of people who are you know, religious in some capacity probably start to pray to God in some ways when things go wrong. And I found myself a couple of years mm-hmm. doing that. Um, I didn't like that because it's kind of like using it. So I, I wanted to be in the mentality of just being always present and always thinking um, about whether it's good things or bad things and just being thankful for everything and then setting your mentality into that right focus phase so that you could just attack the day um, and, you know, make good things happen.
1: Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's awesome. And I think that it's obvious, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, you are bringing that level of like attack the day there's, there's no way you would have like turned this thing around this year or, you know, all the other stuff that you've done in the past without having had that mentality of, you know, now I'm ready to attack the day and, you know, I'm going to do everything that I can, that I can control. And there's a lot of things that I can't control, but I might as well do the things that I can. And I feel like that's been, you know, abundantly obvious from this conversation. And I, and I really, really hope that, you know, everybody who's listening and watching and everything else like that, you know, takes that inspiration from this conversation with jeremy that nothing's ever going to be perfect right like nothing's ever going to be perfect you're not always going to have the answer in fact many times you're not going to have the answer but that's not a reason to not wake up and keep going right we're and 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 this is this is so consistent with you know high performers in in any field but in in all the business people that we talk to it's just like you know, a lot of people on the outside look at things and they're saying hey man you know that guy's different or that guy's special or that guy's got you know this advantage or that advantage or whatever and I don't think I've ever seen it. You know, I've just seen people who show up and don't stop. And that and those are the people that succeed.
2: It's consistency. 100%. People always say like what's the secret sauce of anything? I think it's just doing things every single day at a high a high level and you're going to have bad days, you're going to have good days. But it's just showing up. It's being as consistent as possible. Because ultimately, if you're consistent, you're going to make good things happen over time. As long as you're consistent, you're focused on the right things. You're going to make good things happen. So, um, for me, it's just a constant. Like as long as I can keep pushing at this level, um, I think there's going to be you know there's there's no there's no there's no ultimate goal that I want to hit. Every single time I reach a goal, there's always going to be something a little bit
0: further. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, so before we go. Obviously we you know we've told everybody you're you know co-founder and CEO of swag.com uh you know is there is there a, you know kind of a plug or anything you want to talk about swag.com for a minute?
2: Yeah, sure thing. So swag.com I like to think of as the best place for companies to buy quality promotional products that people will actually want to keep. We work with over 5000 companies at this point from Facebook and Google and Amazon and Netflix and Spotify and TikTok and we allow them to easily buy their swag on our site. Send it to one address, send it to a thousand addresses at once, really automate your distribution. So, any of the listeners who work at a company who want to engage with the remote employees, who want to show the customers that you care, love to work with you and help you out sending your quality swag boxes um, to all over the world. So, visit us at swag.com, swag.com, S W A G.com, and uh, looking forward to hopefully working with you.
1: Yeah, which is a, which is a, Awesome domain name, by the way. Congratulations on that. When, when Dean and I first saw your thing come through, we were like, wow, swag.com, not bad. That's <laughs> nicely really done. You. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, Dean, any uh, any parting shots before we go?
0: Yeah, just quick final 30 seconds, just say thanks, Jeremy. I think, uh, iron, ironic, you said earlier, sometimes you got to start things and they might not go the direction you intended, but keep going. And I, I would say, like, this call is a prime example of that. I would say the biggest thing that's come from this, and I hope everyone takes it away, is that the the motivated in the mindset that you have, you're so incredibly solution focused. And I think they, 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 there's probably even some great entrepreneurs right now that are still scared, you know? And I think you've been a shining example of like taking on the problems, facing them and finding the solutions, whatever that takes. So yeah, thanks for sharing. I'm, I'm sure this will benefit a lot of people. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, James.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks uh, Thanks so much for being here. We, uh, we appreciate your, uh, your wisdom. We look forward to staying in touch. Uh, I don't, we're not using swag.com right now to get out our t-shirts, but you are going to get a t-shirt nonetheless. And then you can tell us maybe we can do better working with you. Um, so, uh, for those of you guys who are looking for, you know, promotional material of any kind, obviously, you know, if you know that if you're working with somebody like Jeremy, he's going to do whatever it takes to get it done for you. And so, um, check out swag.com and, uh, for Dean and I, we appreciate you guys being here listening and uh we will uh we will be be back next week we got an amazing show lined up for you maybe we'll even get a peek of dean's white noble steed next week i don't know what we got to do to make that happen i guess he's got to may. figure out how to turn his webcam around or something like that uh um, right. thank happen. you guys <laughs> it may not happen yeah we go through this whole episode jeremy's like solution 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 oh, <laughs> dean's like i can't turn my webcam <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome well thank you guys uh for being here and uh we look forward to talking with you guys next week this is james kingfield sign off with my co-host mr dean holland for another episode of just the tips we will talk with you guys next time later everybody yeah thanks for tuning in to just the tips where we believe business should be profitable and fun for show notes links and other information on our guests visit just the tips for more information on how to connect with dean holland visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamesbeefreal.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin MacLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.